Hello, everyone. Welcome to Arash's World. We have a special guest today, Nadine Haruni. Welcome to Arash's World. Hi, Arash. Thank you. Thank you for are, having me. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well, yes. So we'd like to start off with the toughest question first to, to get us started is, how would you describe yourself briefly? And there's a lot of things that you could go into. I'm curious to see what you're going to point out here. Oh, no, that is a tough question. Huh? <laughs> uh, I am a mom who's also juggling uh, careers, as like many other working parents out there, juggling family and work. Um, I wear a couple of different hats. I'm an attorney and I'm a children's book author. And then I also, I kind of don't do it so much anymore, but I'm a, a yoga teacher as well. Yeah, and that's amazing. So does all of this kind of fit in or doesn't it? And if it doesn't, it's fine. But do you find a way of, of fitting all these different hats into, into one or, or not? Um, some days better than others. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I try, you know, I find a way to make it work. I mean, you know, with my, with the legal job, I've been doing it a long time. So I kind of know what's priority. The parenting job, as most parents know, kind of, you just kind of got to go with it sometimes. And the author's, uh, author job, I kind of can control when I do interviews and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a lot of juggling, but I make it work. Okay, perfect. And let's, let's talk about your book. So your book series is Frida the Frog. It's a children's book series. I think you have five books so far. I correct? do, yes. Okay. And, and let's talk about that. It, it won the Gold Mom's Choice Award for Excellence, which is wonderful. And yes. so what do you deal with in these books? And what is the aim here, the goal uh, with these books? So the books are all designed to help kids um, recognize that there's many different types of families and many different people out there. And the main theme is teaching tolerance and empathy and awareness um, for kids to know a world beyond their immediate world. So my, this series follows along a frog family, Frida, as they go through different situations, encounter different types of families, um, a lot of life events, which a lot of families go through. So it's designed to help kids both who are in these situations feel, I hate to use the word normal, but just feel like everybody else's family, not feel sometimes when you're going through something, you feel like you're the only one. So it's to help kids feel that they, there's other people who can relate to them. It's also designed um, to have kids be more empathetic if their peers, let's say, are in a different type of family than their own or going through something major, you know, life issue or something. And the books are also designed to be a tool for parents or teachers to open up conversations that may have been once been considered taboo or that could be difficult or uncomfortable for people. It's just to make it very mainstream and matter of fact and kind of put it all out there. Yes, you're making very important points here. And I, that kind of openness and being um, being open to address these topics. And uh, a lot of people shy away from it. And, and we don't give kids enough credit often. And I think uh, they, and from my own experience, I do have a son, they understand much more than we think and than we assume. So there's that. Uh, and as well as um, when we talk about empathy though, and awareness, I find children are generally quite good with that. Overall, it's often the parents who, who need some coaching there and some, some work with that. But generally, children are quite good with that. Would you agree with me on this point? Yeah, I would agree. I think, I think you know, reaching children, like my books are designed to reach kids at a young age, mm -hmm. and they're impressionable. 
And I, I agree with you. And sometimes they hear maybe negative uh, messages about things, whether it's at home or whether from the media. So it's hope kids are kind of, in my opinion, an empty slate. And they're kind of, they don't really have their opinions formulated yet. So it's just really to kind of educate, educate kids about the reality of certain situations, not maybe some of the misperceptions they're hearing at home or other places. Exactly. Yes. And, and they are exploring themselves. They don't have opinions yet, as you say, and that's absolutely, absolutely true as, as they're trying to discover themselves. And then you get to the teenage where that's a whole different story. But um, something that is um, um, kind of hard, that is hard to deal with is these life's events, life's events that are happening, uh, like complex emotions that you have to deal with. Uh, we've had uh, horrible news, horrible pandemic going on. We have uh, shootings that uh, target children, which is, again, unheard of and awful. And so, so how can we address these things? Because they're very, very difficult topics. And uh, it, it uh, could give the, the child a worldview of, of a place that is really not safe and good, although there is a lot of good there, too. So how would you address them? And in your books, how do you approach these, these topics? I try to make it very matter of fact, and I try to get convey, let's say, the characters' emotions uh, that the kids might be feeling themselves. So the, the the books are my books are picture books. So young kids could maybe they may not understand the words or be able to read the words, but they can understand the emotions that they see on the characters' faces. Some older kids, I've actually gotten messages from teenagers on Instagram or at some book events, they'll come up to me and say that the books help them. So I think even though it's, let's say, a kid's book, it's a more sophisticated message. <laughs> so I try to, all of my books have discussion questions at the end. So these books are meant to be sort of conversation starters. <laughs> and I just try to, through... Uh, I guess, colorful character, you know, the, the books are, I'm just showing you a cover of one of them. Mm -hmm. They're all very colorful. <laughs> the characters are approachable. And it's designed to just sort of be, a, even if it's a heavier topic, sort of a feel good kind of book. Um, I just want to make it very, very, for kids to feel relatable to the characters. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the times they can see themselves in some of the characters. Yeah, and so you chose a frog. Is there a specific reason for that? Because I think that is amazing. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. It's just something silly. My mom is actually the original Frida. Okay. So <laughs> I joke around with her that she spells it the wrong way. <laughs> she spells her name differently. My Frida is designed, it's F-R-E-E-D-A, because mm -hmm. I wanted to have the word free in there to, oh, okay. to gotcha. symbolize for kids to feel free to express themselves and for parents to feel free to have these conversations. So I just joking around would call my mom sometimes free to the frog, and then it sort of stuck. <laughs> and, that, and that's how it came about. Now, um, you have children yourself? I do. I have a, I have, well, my husband and I were a blended family. Mm -hmm. So this is both our second marriage. So I have for my first marriage, a now 15 year old daughter and 18 year old son who's about to go to college. And then I have three older daughters who are one's 22, one's 26, one's 28. So, and we've been, we've been together a long time. So I've known them through as they've grown up. And I was what I was going to ask you, do they inspire some of your stories? Can they kind of see themselves reflected in, in what's going on? I think so. I, I so I'll, each of the books, I kind of I'll just show you the covers. But like mm -hmm. the first one is about divorce. I got divorced and I didn't feel that there were any really 
amazing, well, not amazing books. There are other good books about there, but divorce, but just no books that really resonated with me or I felt explained the message the way I wanted to. So that kind of inspired me to get the first story out there. And all of the characters are sort of named after people in my life, not their actual names, but their symbolic of <laughs> different names. So as me and my kids started going through different situations, Frida and her family started going through different situations. So like the next book is Frida the Frog and her new blue family. In this one, Frida meets a blue frog. I met my own blue frog and they become a blended family. You can see the other tadpoles there. And <laughs> it's talking about blended families of all types whether it's uh, mixed race, mixed religion, mixed ethnicity, it touches a little upon diversity and just kind of not um, negatively judging a book by its cover. And just again, reminding kids that families might look different. And then when we moved, we moved from Manhattan to the suburbs. So that inspired Free to the Frog is on the Move, <laughs> which is my kids were, were not, it wasn't all roses and rainbows and happiness when I told them we were moving. So it almost never is actually. <laughs> no, I mean, after we were here about six months, my son said, wow, I'm so glad we moved. So that was music to my ears. But it's helping kids through any kind of move, any kind of major life change, changing schools, changing towns, because just like for adults, change is not so easy. So it's, mm -hmm. it's designed to at the end of the book, the tadpoles realize change does not have to be so scary after all. So just like, and I just, I related to even COVID, like obviously COVID was awful, but, but there were certain things that were not so terrible, such as a lot of parents being able to work from home, which they couldn't yes. do before. I'm very thankful I could do that now. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth book, Free to the Frog Says Farewell to Her Fish. I wrote that when my grandma Helen passed away and it was my kid's first time going through loss. And I figured, there was a lot of other families going through loss, kids, especially for, for most kid, young kids, it's their first time, whether they lost a pet or lost a loved one. So it's just reminding kids to kind of remember the good times they had with that person. Mm -hmm. I Interestingly, the last book, Free to the Frog and the Two Mamas Next Door, I wrote that, um, well, for the LGBTQ plus community, but also just it discusses the fact that parenting can come in different forms, such as a single parent household. It could be a mom and a dad. It could be two moms, two dads, there's many different types of families out there. But I wrote that book just because I thought it was an important topic. And in the course of writing it, um, one of our daughters came out to us oh, that she was gay. So it was, I guess maybe she felt maybe she felt it was okay to tell us while we were, <laughs> since I was writing this book. So, but I, the next book I'm planning to write about is going to be about adoption. And I can say with confidence, I have no adopted kids out there. <laughs> I, I was just <laughs> noting how, how everything is autobiographical and you wouldn't think of a children's <laughs> book, but thank you so much for like laying it out and, and, and being open about it. And uh, I think that really resonates with people too, because it's, it's resonating with you. It comes from a, from a true place, from your heart. And uh, it's so much easier to, to access that. And, uh, and that's, that's wonderful. And it, it and having also that that background knowledge here as well. And I want to talk about the fish. I want because um, that uh, loss of, of a pet, my uh, my son law, we lost a goldfish and uh, that was traumatic on its own. But the harder one was when he lost his his hamster. We actually all of us lost uh, his hamster uh, last year, which was very painful. And it came also with the loss of my father and his grandfather. So I want to specifically uh, talk a bit more about that. So how do we um, 
what's the best way of approaching it? And we had one method and I think it worked well. I mean, it was very, very tough, of course, but uh, what uh, do you say in your book and what would you, from your own experiences, what, how would we address that with children specifically? I think, in my opinion, again, I'm not I'm speaking as a mom who's been through these situations, not as an expert, but I, I think it's important to use simple, simple words to explain it, to just put it out there and just tell the truth. I think whether it's my book or any, there's other children's books out there, um, it, it's a good way to kind of maybe read a story to them if they're young and have them, they can see that like in my book, I have the emotions on the characters' faces. They can see, the, the kids may feel when they see the, the emotions on the characters' faces, yeah, I feel like that too. So encourage kids to express how they feel, ask them how they're feeling, ask them to talk about it. I think encouraging them to have some kind of um, memorial maybe for the person, even if there's no, even if there is a formal funeral or if there's not a formal funeral, just reminding, having photos of the person to remember the good times that they had so that I say the, the, the person is remembered, not forgotten. Mm -hmm. And if it could also be, I mean, even if the child might have a friend who lost somebody, it's a good teaching moment to, to teach them appropriate, let's say condolence gestures, like sending a card or yes. flowers or whatever the case may be and, and to listen and be there for their friend. So, and just letting the kids know that it's okay to not be okay. If you, if you, and if they see their parent crying, it might give them a green light that it's okay to cry. So just letting them know they don't have to keep it inside. Excellent point. And I think that's, that's very important because a, a lot of parents think it's a weakness. So it gives a bad example. If they show their emotions, their feelings, if they cry in front of their children. And I, I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. And I think it's, it's really important to be completely honest. And if, if that's how you're feeling, then that's how you're feeling, right? And you don't want to, uh, your child to learn the wrong things, uh, pretending everything is okay when it's not. And so, so what we had is really like being open about it, letting the grief flow out, you know, and the tears and everything. And it's, it's really raw, though, when you say like remembering loved ones, but when you see like pictures, then it brings back this, the, these floods of emotions. And uh, I personally, and all of us, I think, found it hard to see any pictures, uh, whether of, uh, again, a relative or even the, the hamster. And, uh, it's, and to be okay with that. You know, I think that's also important of not not pushing uh, uh, the other person to like now. Okay, you have to face, you have to do this, but taking the time it needs. I think. Would you agree with that? I completely agree with that. Yeah, and and in in my book, uh, Frida and her husband Samson, they talk to the tadpoles and they tell them to talk about their feelings, and they they do some sort of a memorial service for the fish, the pet fish, Goldie, who passes away. <laughs> and Frida encourages them, and Samson encourages them to talk about some of the good times they had with that person. Mm -hmm. So I think I think that kind of all talking about it kind of helps. Yeah, and it's it's good to have books about it because these are topics that you don't usually find and in children's books. And I think that's that's really like courageous, brave, and also important to 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 address them. Um, but what I found with like fish was it's it's so much easier to the grieving process. It's so much easier because uh, the contact is much less. Whereas when you have uh, a furry thing that you grab and is with you and that you have a closer contact, it makes it so much more 
difficult to to process that and because of the attachment that you have too and it's and the the other thing that is uh, troubling and uh, even for adults is what happens where is this being that was here months ago and uh, dealing with with that that big question is, is tough for adults and so much more for children who are just trying to piece together their, their world and their opinions. It's true. And I think also nowadays with COVID, it, 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 this, this issue became a more prevalent issue families had to deal with, with young kids, because unfortunately, so many people lost their lives to COVID. And it's, it's really not something that a lot of parents thought about having to have the conversation with yet with their with their kids. So it became a more prevalent issue, I think now. Mm -hmm. And uh, would you be okay when people choose their own methods? So there are, I mean, people use faith, people use their religions, their traditions, and some don't have those things and uh, they're using it in their own way. And would you say that's fine? Like, however it's working with that family, it's okay? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think every family, every culture has its own traditions and ways to honor the person. So it's it's a really good opportunity for parents to teach their kids the right way that their culture or their family does things. Mm -hmm. and, and the, the gestures and the words and the, uh, the rituals are going to be uh, different depending again, what is that the tradition of the family, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I taught my kids, when my grandma Helen passed away, were Jewish. So mm -hmm. I mentioned to my kids where we're, that we were going to sit Shiva. And, and that's, mm -hmm. and they didn't know what that was. And mm -hmm. it was for any of your viewers listening to this that don't know it's in the Jewish religion. When somebody passes away, the family will sort of sit and people will come and pay their respects and sometimes bring food and, and stuff and just kind of talk about, well, talk about the person who passed away, but also just kind of be there as a distraction to support the grieving family. So it's, it's, yeah, I think it's, I think it's great um, that every culture, every family has its different traditions. Mm -hmm. And, and you mentioned something very important too, with COVID that it's not all bad. And I see a lot of good, I mean, again, it's, it's horrible, but a right. lot of good coming out of that. And, and the same with, uh, with that when we lose a loved ones, a loved one, because it's, it creates also empathy too, because once you've gone through that process, you know what it feels like. So when it happens to a friend, you you kind of tap into that experience and you can connect on a much deeper level than if you haven't had that experience at all. Definitely, I, I agree with that. And so we can see that even though it uh, things are tragic, things look bad, it, it looks like it's, it's the worst thing that could happen. There is always something good that could be taken out of it if we're willing to, to go that path. But uh, often we don't see it. And that's like in that moment, it's, it's hard to see as well. But I think the, the kind of openness to that is important. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's right. And that's kind of going back to what I was saying before that change any kind of change, whether it's losing somebody or just other changes are a lot of times scary at first. Mm -hmm. A lot of times there's fear of the unknown, but then in the end, it turns out to not, well, death is not something that turns out for the best, but <laughs> other mm -hmm. changes or things mm -hmm. oftentimes can bring about things that turn out for the best. Mm -hmm. And so does the, your, your yoga experience help you with, with dealing with uh, some of these pain and the suffering as well as being able to, to transmit it in a, in, a, in a calmer way to others? Do you think that helps? I do think that helps. I think uh -huh. I, I really am. Um, obviously, I've drunk the yoga Kool-Aid, so to speak. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think um, 
if everybody did yoga, the world would be a very different place, but it does help you focus on gratitude. It does keep you calmer. And in my opinion, it's, it's kept me and I believe it keeps people from sweating the small stuff, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It just kind of gives you perspective. If you can really just focus on what you're grateful for and what you appreciate and not get bogged down with negativity, it's really helpful. Mm-hmm. And I, I think also the, the having these books and whether it's used at school or at home with, with parents, it's, it's really a, a, a conversation opener so that these are things that you can delve into. And um, children can really express things that they've probably held inside or they thought about, they worry about as well. And, uh, and uh, that is a, a very good thing. And I find in, in, in schools too, there is some, but I don't think there is enough uh, that kind of uh, open dialogue. That, that children need. And, and I think it's, it's also much more important to have it at home that, you know, my parents are listening to me, they're concerned about me, they want to know how I'm feeling. And uh, we need to foster that more. When I look around and look at families, I think that space needs to open up more and widen more. I, I agree. That's, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think there's really, obviously, there's certain things you can't talk about with your mm-hmm. kids, but real, but but the fact that there are many different types of families out there is something that shouldn't be an uncomfortable conversation. And the fact that families do go, unfortunately, it's a real part of life, certain things, whether it's divorce, whether it's losing somebody you love, whether it's somebody losing a job, any kind of change, these are real life things. So it shouldn't be, it should be things that should be spoken about freely and should just be put out there as it's part of life. Exactly. Exactly. So your your next book is about adoption. <laughs> I, I haven't started it yet, but okay. yes, okay. <laughs> I'm planning to ultimately. I've actually been, which I'll I'll tell you about it in a second. But I've been working on something else this past year. So I had put the future Frida books on hold, but I'm planning to write about ultimately about a half a dozen more books, and all dealing with important issues or topics. So some things such as different types of families like adoption is is one example, but there'll be other real life things such as a parent going back to work, uh, having having a new baby sibling, things along those lines, special needs, kids, disabilities, so there's other other books in in, in Frida's future. Okay, <laughs> that's wonderful. Guys, but I've been working on a, a novel actually the past cool. year. So uh, my first middle grade um, novel I've been working on. It's something actually I've been working on for many years. But COVID, like we were talking about before, some good things came out of it. I actually had the time and space to work on the novel. So I've been oh, finishing good. that. Yeah, yeah, you've been taking advantage of, of that extra time. And and, and and some haven't. Some have taken to drinking. It's like, okay, I'm going to drink more now. But I, I'm glad you're using it productively. Um, yeah, thank you so much for being on Arash's World. So the series is uh, is Frida the Frog, the children's book series. There are five books and there is another one coming and you are you keep writing, which is which is wonderful. And I, I think you, you should definitely keep up with that. And yeah, thanks so much for being on Arash's World. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Best Bye. of luck to you. Thank you.